We're really excited today to talk to you about Coaching You Live, our VIP experience in Las Vegas, July 8 and 9, 2019. We have solidified our new venue. We're going to be at the nationally famous Finley Prep School, technically in Henderson, just outside Vegas, 15 minutes from downtown. Uh, Just a spectacular, traditionally great program. Be a really intimate atmosphere for us. Again, we only take about 100 coaches, all VIPs on the floor. We did it last year. A great experience. You're going to hear all of our speakers, 15 speakers, several NBA coaches. You're going to get courtside seating right up close to the speakers where you're going to get a chance to meet them, talk to them. Dinner and lunch, uh, you know, of... You know, to really make the so you don't even have to leave the gym. Uh, a coaching you notebook so you can you know keep all your notes in there that I think you'll find really neat. And then a coaching you T-shirt, uh, and then videos of all the speakers. So it's an incredible value. I think you're really going to enjoy it. We can't wait to see it. We're going to be sold out. We always are, but I can't wait to see it. Sign up. Take advantage of this. July eight and nine. 2019 Finley Prep in Las Vegas. Sign up. Don't get shut out. And we'll look forward to seeing you there. So go to coachingyoulive.com to sign up. And we'll see you on July 8 and 9. Hey, welcome to another edition of a Coaching You podcast. I think you're really, really going to be excited. Uh, someone that I've known since I first got in coaching, uh, I don't want to tell you the year, but this play, this person was a high school senior at Jackson Parkside High School, and I was the assistant coach at the University of Detroit. That's where we first met. And now we've been in touch through our entire careers he was a great player at the University of Minnesota in football and basketball. And people don't realize he was first-team All-State player in basketball. And I teased him as we started our podcast that, man, he is a, he's a great basketball player, and he would have liked to have been with me. That's my tease for you where I was last weekend. So uh, Tony Dungy is one of the greatest coaches, Hall of Fame coach of all time. But I love him because of his style and the person he is. And the old saying goes, I would like him to coach my son or daughter. He is what that is about. You can coach people by not screaming, yelling, cursing at them. He does that. He treats people as people. And I think you're really going to enjoy his new book out, The Soul of a Team, is about that. How to develop teamwork and teams. And he does it with a great acronym called SOUL, S-O-U-L. I think you're really going to enjoy it. So after this timeout, Tony Dungy, Hall of Famer. Let's take a second to tell you about one of our partners, Dr. Dish. Dr. Dish basketball shooting machines are the most high-tech and durable basketball shooting machines on the market. Each shooting machine was designed specifically for high-repetition training to allow players to improve through technology. Dr. Dish offers game-like training to give hundreds of shooting reps in just minutes and provide powerful analytics to help players improve their game. Dr. Dish has also introduced Skill Builder, 
which is the first of its kind in the basketball shooting machine industry that enables players and coaches to stay connected, design and upload training exercises, and instantly receive feedback on their workout, allowing for real-time adjustments and improved performance. It is, without question, the most innovative basketball training machine on the market. To learn more about Dr. Dish, log on to drdishbasketball.com or follow them on Twitter at drdishbball. Don't forget to mention Coaching You and receive $300 off on your next Dr. Dish purchase. That's right. Mention Coaching You or the podcast and get $300 off your Dr. Dish. Fast Model Sports is the world's most versatile basketball coaching software to help power your preparation. Fast Model has developed the industry's best coaching software, including the number one play diagramming and playbook software, FastDraw. FastDraw bridges the gap between whiteboarding and the digital world with an incredibly easy-to-use interface that can be used on both your computer and your iPad, providing maximum portability for your own personal play and drill database. doesn't stop there. Along with FastDraw, they have other great programs such as FastScout, which I have used, which helps coaches create clean professional sky reports customized for your team. Fast Model is trusted and used by every NBA team and WNBA team and 85% of Division I college teams and over 8,000 high school and youth teams from over 75 countries around the world. In addition to a great product, they also provide basketball coaching resources through their blog and play bank, which features over 5,000 free plays and drills for their online coaching community. For access... To these plays and more information, visit FastModelSports.com or follow them on Twitter at FastModel. Hey, welcome to another Coaching You podcast with the coach, Brendan Sir, and I'm so excited today. My guest is longtime friend, Tony Dungy, the coach, Tony Dungy, and we're going to talk about his fabulous new book, The Soul of a Team. But first, coach, I have to tell you, I got back to your home state the great state of Michigan, which I know you love as much as I do. And I got back, and I, I, you're a great coach, and you make great decisions, but I actually want to tell you this. As I'm going out there and with my Piston players the other day, I thought about, you know, I'm big on choice. God allows us to make choices. And I said, if Tony had only listened and come and played basketball, he could have been part of this team. Instead, you wanted to play that football thing, you know. <laughs> I did, you know, but you know me. Basketball was always my favorite. I know sport. that. I loved it. I know that. I just didn't get as big as some of the other people did. But, but I could see I you and Isaiah in the backcourt. You and Vinnie Johnson in the backcourt. It would have been incredible. You know? I would have loved it. <laughs> you know, I watched those guys. I, I loved their just demeanor and the way they played and the team chemistry. And it was also hard to believe it was 30 years ago. Isn't that scary? And, uh, you know, and, 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 the, and you've been part of legacy teams and, and your team that you had with the Colts you know, will be a legacy team. And the thing about them, when you get back 10 years, 20 years later, we got together five years ago at 25 and now at 30, uh, the bond, uh, the relationships, it's so incredible. Uh, the love for your teammates. And that's why today going to talk about (laughs) your favorite topic of teamwork. 
uh, I think it's so apropos and stuff like that. So let's uh, let's fast forward now to your book. I've read every one of your books that you and Nathan Whitaker have done, and each one takes it to another level. And when I was sitting with Nathan about five months ago, and he said, wait till you see the next one we did, uh, it was he was trying to describe it to me until I actually read the book. I can't believe where you got to on it. And I said to myself, and Tony, and I, I think you know, I said, my God, this could have been like five of my pro basketball teams. This, it, this, well, that's oh. what we wanted to do. And we, I get asked a lot ever since we won the Super Bowl, you know, how do you put winning organizations together? How do you get people to work together? So Nathan and I tried to come up with, well, what are the three or four most important points? How do we tell the story? And we thought of, using a, a real life situation uh, but that way you'd feel comfortable describing the positives but the negatives and, and letting people know the things you couldn't do that that would be hard mm-hmm. you didn't want to throw anyone under the bus so we said you know what let's make this fictitious team we can put all the elements in there and then we can say well that reminds me of this team or that reminds me of this situation and and bring it out that way but it was a lot of fun putting it together and and showing people what it really takes to, and not just a, a, a team, an athletic team, but it can be a, a business, a family, a, a church, anything where you're bringing people together for one cause. How do you get the most out of everybody? I, I thought the concept of, you know, you and I are both fans of John Gordon's books in the early, in the early stages were all fables. Every part of it was a fable, yeah. and and they were fabulous. I can't, I don't know how he writes like that. It's incredible. But all of a sudden, when I start the book, and I'm saying, "There's Tony throwing a ball to Justin and Lauren," I'm saying, it "Just sounds like Tony, the real Tony." <laughs> and, and I'm saying, and then all of a sudden, the, the book takes a switch. You have a phone call, and and that all of a sudden, I got it. At that point, you were going to play. Tony Dungy in the book. And I thought yeah. that made it so special, so realistic. And, 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 and really that part, captured. Brendan, was true. I would get calls from people. Hey, can <laughs> you just come in, be here for a week, talk to us? Or, hey, you can have a consulting job here. If you don't want to be the head coach, just, just come in once a week. Keep us on the right track. And I, I never took those up but uh, the call certainly came a lot and so that's how we decided to start the book that was brilliant now i i've done that consulting thing it's a good gig i'll tell you it's a, it's a good gig you walk out of here you're still undefeated take, take credit for the wins and, yeah. and not for the loss exactly right? and then you know, right but so tell me um uh, about this as you as you went through this and you and nathan kind of put the book together the concept um had it where did you want to start? What did, where in the parts of a team? Talk about uh, you know obviously leadership is a big part of it, but talk about that. Yeah, we wanted to talk about bringing everyone together. Hey, so we've got this team; they've got a lot of pieces to the puzzle, but mm-hmm. they aren't winning, uh, and they're they're struggling to figure out why. Hey, we've got talent; we keep adding talent, but we can't get over the hump. Uh, maybe we need to change management maybe we need to change our style what what do we need to do and that's kind of how how the book comes forward because a lot of people are in that situation why are we not successful and we get focused on talent a lot and as you and i know uh you talk about those great piston teams uh, our teams in, in indianapolis with the colts 
it's not always talent. The, the most talented team is not necessarily your most productive team. And you, you get guys who are ready to buy in and do whatever it takes. And they make the, they make the team better than the sum of the parts. And that's how you, you build championships. So that, that's what we wanted to get across. Don't you think a lot of times people in business and all walks of life, they, they mistake that talent is the most important thing rather than character. Absolutely do. And a lot of sports teams do that. Absolutely. And you, you see it now. I'm, I'm watching this football free agency. And, okay, here's a player over here. He's very good. We'll add him here. That's going to make us better. Not even taking into account, well, what's he going to do in the locker room? What type of person are you getting? Oh, we, we just got a talented player, so our team will be better. Not necessarily. So uh, that was a lesson that I was fortunate enough to learn early because I came into an organization that treated character as absolutely necessary, the Pittsburgh Steelers. And Coach Noel was a big believer in that, that uh, if, if, you didn't, if you weren't the right type of person to fit into the locker room, it didn't matter how talented you were. And, and that's a lesson we all need to learn. When you, when you, and I think the Steelers, uh, the original Chuck Noel, the, your Steelers in the beginning. I think, you know, as we all progress in life, p- young people only remember what happened last year, last week. And, uh, but, you know, growing up, those Steeler teams were so special. What made them so special in your, in hindsight? Now you looking back, I think it was a bond of, of the men involved, but it was also coach Noel and preaching that, uh, we had to be together. The ultimate goal was to win. And the way we were going to win is to work as a unit and work as a team. And I can remember him saying very vividly, uh, everybody's job here is important, but nobody's indispensable. And so that was a great message. It was a great message to the stars like Terry Bradshaw and Joe Green that, hey, your, your role is important. We need you to make big plays, but don't think that you're bigger than the team. And then it was a message to people like me, who I was a backup, uh, didn't play a whole lot, but what I did in practice, what I did on special teams, uh, it, it, it was needed. And so I couldn't think that, oh, my role is not very big. It's not that of one of the stars, so it doesn't matter how I perform. No, Coach Noel drilled into me that every day uh, what I did in practice was important. So I was excited to come to practice and excited to work hard, even though I might not have a starring role on, on Sunday. And so to have that thought that we were all in it together and we we're all important, I think that's what made us win. I, I And let's take uh, the role of a sports team. My opinion, the head coach kind of sets, you know, he's the one that has the best chance to establish the culture probably. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and we see this now, uh, at this time of year when we're recording this is that now college basketball teams are going through picking new coaches and things like that. And, you know, and, and it seems that if we had a guy last year that was a tough, ornery guy, we're going to come in with a nicer guy. And if we had a nice guy, we're going to come in with a tough guy. And things yes. like that, right? Yeah, I mean, we, you know, we go opposite of what uh, we exactly. had. And then the other thing is, well, what is the hot, uh, item in, out there today in, in, in football it's the young 20 something offensive coordinator Sean who can McVay. be brilliant yeah. with these quarterbacks so uh team x wins with that so i better get that 
And so we go out looking for something that was good for someone else, and it may not fit what we do. And I, I think you have to look for leaders, and you have to look for, yes, you have to know what style you want, what's important for you, but leadership is what sets the tone. And that, that to me, of all the people that I've played for and coached against, and seen, that, that's the common denominator. Uh, great leaders are men who can pull people together. It doesn't matter if you're offense, defense, mm-hmm. uh, X and O guy, not an X and O guy. Can you lead? Can you lead a group? Now, this is personal to me because of my fondness for you. So, again, since I knew you some early on, I followed every part of your career. Always interested. And you got to the pros as a player. Oh, then I, I got there as a coach. You're now a coach. And I'm following you left and right. And I'm saying to myself, he's really good. And he's not getting a head coaching job. This is BS on my mind. And you're not getting opportunities. Why do you think that was happening? I didn't fit the mold, uh, <laughs> the caricature of what people thought a coach should be at the time. Uh, I, I grew up under coach Noel. Mm-hmm. I emulated him. I emulated my dad and coach Noel's style was, Hey, help your players play better. That's what he used to tell us <laughs> as assistant coaches all the time. Your job is to help your players play better. And so I felt that's what I, I should do. And I felt I was very good at that. But then when you, that allow you to climb the ladder because boy, I'm coaching five defensive backs and they play well. And people say, Oh, you're pretty good. Now you, can become the defensive coordinator and coach the whole defense. And I coach them and help them to play better. And, oh, your guys play very well. Well, <laughs> now, all of a sudden, when they're looking for head coaches, it's not that anymore. It's, does he fit the mold? Is he what, what I think a coach should be? And I, I had several interviews where the owners would tell me, I just don't think with not raising your voice, not screaming, not using profanity. I just don't think you're going to be able to control today's athletes. And you, you say, well, I've, I've done it my whole career, uh, but they were looking for something different. And uh, I had to make a decision. Do I change my personality? Do I change the way I do it? Or do I just let the Lord take me where the, the best place is going to be? And I'll never forget, I started to get a little frustrated. Mm-hmm. And then I finally interviewed in Tampa and Mr. Glazer, the owner, he asked me about my style and I told him how I tried to help people and I tried to build relationships. And he said, that's exactly how I, I am with my boys. That's what I'm looking for. And he hired me and, and that was a, that was huge for me. Yeah. And, 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 and I think, you know, they, they, you know, and also there's a lot of people out there we both know in the coaching profession, doesn't matter the sport that are self promoters. And they really, yeah. yeah, and they really try to make it like it's all about them, and that totally wasn't your style and stuff like that. And one of the biggest problems that I think we have in coaching, and especially in some of the women's sports, is that we find out that the women, young women, don't want to be yelled at by women. <laughs> it's it's crazy. Well, I'll tell you, I'll let you in on a secret. There's a lot of guys who don't want to be yelled at by guys. Thank you. <laughs> they they say, hey, I'm you know and. These guys are 28, 30, 35. Tom Brady's 41 years old. He doesn't need somebody screaming at him like he's a little kid. Um, and, and so uh, what helps a, a person? And, and I, when I was a player, it wasn't the coaches that screamed at me that told me I made a mistake. It was those guys who instructed me and said, here's what you did. Here's how you can be better the next time. Here's how you can avoid that mistake. Those are the guys that helped me. Pete Carroll, I read something he said uh, 
recently where he said, the most important part of coaching is the two, three, or four seconds after a player makes a mistake of what yeah. you do. Do you scream, yell, embarrass him to the point where he doesn't even know what he did wrong. He just knows that you just left a, as Chuck Daly used to say, you just left a scar in that player and scars yeah. don't come off. Yeah. And no, and, and in that situation, uh, I go back to coach. No, how do you help players be better? Okay, a guy makes a mistake. What are you going to do to help him be better at that point? And screaming at him, Hey, you messed up. You made a mistake. Does that really make it better? No, most of the time they know. Now, every now and then there might be a guy who didn't realize he made a mistake and you need to get his attention. But for most part, people know when they made a mistake. How can I help them? How can I build them, lift them up, say it's okay? How can I get them not to make that mistake again? That's how I'm going to help them. Yeah. And screaming for the most part doesn't do it. And Pete went on to say, Tony, that he said, I assume if the player did it wrong, I didn't teach it properly. So I go and reteach it to him. I said, you know, let's go down eight yards past the first down marker and then go to the sideline. I didn't do it right. That's why he didn't do it right. That, And I said, wow. that's, that's- uh, I'm, I'm laughing because I think back to Coach Noel. I'd be on the headsets in the press box. Somebody <laughs> would make a mistake out there. And his, that would be his first comment what what are we teaching him what did did we tell him yeah well i thought i told him to do it right but obviously i didn't yeah yeah and and i think there's that's a difference as opposed to i'm the great teacher and you're the poor student he must have messed up yeah exactly so i think that's fascinating um let's talk about teamwork okay uh if if you're putting together any team in any sport where are you going? Tell me how you're putting it together. You know, I, I'm going for guys who want to own their role. That's one of the, the yeah. acronyms in our soul of the team. And uh, a team is like a movie, and you can't have 50 stars. Uh, everybody is not playing the lead role. But to have a great movie, you need not only stars, you need extras, you need people who are content to be the co-star. Uh, that everything doesn't revolve around them. So I'm looking for people who, if I need them to be the star, they're ready to step up and accept that responsibility. But if I'm, if I have to give them a role that they don't necessarily think fits them, they're still ready to do that. And when you get that and you get that built in, then you're going to have a great team. Talk about selflessness. I think it's such a great word. That's the S of the soul. It is, and that's the hardest thing to get uh, in today's day and age because we're created as selfish people. Uh, Self-preservation is the first instinct that goes into us. What's good for me? And that's going to be there. So how do you get that turned around on a team? Hey, we still want you to think about yourself and how you can contribute and what you do well and, and all of those things, but can you put that underneath the team goal? And yes, it might be better for you to get 20 shots in a game, mm-hmm. but it might not be the best for our team. Uh, so can you live with 15 shots and us winning? Uh, I need to know that because that's going to determine what, what type of team we have. Uh, you might be very good at something, but that that's not what we need. 
can you do something else to help the team win? And will you be satisfied with that? Uh, those, those are questions that when you are selecting players or when you're selecting anyone for your organization, that's what you want to find out. Yes, I want driven people. I want people that are motivated, but I want people that are capable of putting the team success over individual success. Unity. Um, talk about, uh, t- t- talk about the you and unity. Yeah, people think unity means, hey, we're all on the same page. We all think the same way. We all believe the same things. We're all in this together 100%. And that's, that's the fantasy world. Uh, you bring <laughs> 20 players into a locker room. Everybody's going to be different. They're all going to have different thoughts. Um, do we play country western music or do we play rap music in the locker room? And that has split some teams up. Just that one yep. little aspect. Yes, we've got different. We've got players who like rap. We've got players who like country western. So how do we get on the same page? And that's where the unity comes in. We can all be different. We can think differently. We can vote differently. But when it comes to what we have to accomplish, can we be together and say, this is our goal. And all of those things, our differences, we're going to put aside as we focus on what makes us the best we can be on the field. And uh, that's how you, you get a unity, a unity of purpose for what we're doing. We can disagree on a lot of things, but the, the fundamentals of what we're trying to do in this organization, we're, we're on the same page. You know, the other night, uh, one of my favorite players I ever had was Vinny Johnson, the microwave, right? Mm, you know? Yeah. And uh, Vinny was such a wonderful player, Tony, in that he – and those players that come in as substitutes that have to perform, you know, after not getting a chance to really warm up during the game, right? At any in any yeah. sport, and and he would come in, and some nights he would go seven for eight. I mean, just was fabulous. And then other nights he couldn't make a shot. And I remember one night he came in, and I swear I think he was one for thirteen, and the thirteenth shot was the one he made. And as he as Chuck took him out after a long stay and put like Joe Dumars, you know, an all pro player back in, you know, Vinny said, coach, what the heck are you taking me out for? It's just getting hot, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. But that's the, the, you know, having that attitude and yeah. instead of saying, you know, I could be the starter. And if I was on another team, I'd be starting. I'd be getting more minutes. I'd be getting more shots. I'd be getting more notoriety. No, this is what the team needs. They need an offensive lift in the, in the second quarter, and you put me in. That's what I can deliver, and that's my role. And you know what? It might not be the role that I would want the most, but that's the role this team needs, so I'm going to embrace it, and I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. That's when you have good team. Now, uh, uh, the L uh, in Seoul was not the Lombardi Trophy as all the people on the Vipers thought, right? Which was hysterical uh, yeah. the way that I thought, you know, you guys played that out. But it stood for what? For a larger purpose. And that's the thing, you know, how do you get selflessness? How do you get owning your role? How do you get people to be unified? You can't get it uh, by just bringing everybody together and saying, hey, we've got to get along and be the best we can be. You've got to have a bigger purpose for people to buy into. Now, on most sports teams, that larger purpose is winning. But even that uh, is not necessarily the thing that's going to draw people together. Something beyond how you perform. And as you said, the, the thing about that, those Pistons teams, the, the unity, the, the brotherhood, the, the sense of belonging, 
uh, it was more than just winning. They, they created a legacy for Detroit. Detroit hadn't won since really the 68 Tigers. So it, it had been almost 20 years. And that was what they brought. Hey, we, we're going to bring some swagger to the city. We're going to bring uh, a sense that Detroit is back. And uh, that mattered to those players. And that was their larger purpose. And, and you could see it. We, you would love this. Um, we did a, we had a Friday night to get together. Saturday, they honored the team in this new building they have up in Detroit. Downtown Detroit now, Tony, is spectacular, right? Yeah. I, it's really yeah. fabulous. And um, then on Sunday morning, they took us to the Motown Museum. And we had mm. breakfast there. And they're, they're basically building a campus uh, there at Motown. $50 million they're in a fundraising thing for to build this campus so that the world can come and see where the best music was ever made. And it's a great project. And Isaiah stood up for 20 minutes and talked about Motown and how anywhere he went in the world, when he said, you're from Detroit, people would say, Oh, that's the music capital of the world for foreign people from other countries, you know, and, and, and anywhere in America, Detroit had a bad name except for music and sports, you know, and, and and how that can unify a city and how proud he is, even though he's from Chicago originally, he calls Detroit home. And I, and I thought that was, and he talked about the purpose of sport as you're saying, and, and I think purpose is such a an amazing thing. And everyone now, how about the you know everyone when you say what's your purpose or what are your goals, they they kind of give it and it kind of naturally goes to their own personal stuff. But I think the word process has now entered into it. To really have a good team, there has to be process in there, right? Yeah, and uh, I remember my first talk with uh, my Buccaneers team in 1996. Said, "Hey, I was brought here because we've had losing seasons. The ownership wants to win a Super Bowl. The city wants to win a Super Bowl, but we've got to do more than that. We've got to win the right way. You guys have to be role models for the kids. Uh, We have to give back to the community. You've got to make Tampa a better place to live. If we do that, we'll be successful." And now looking back. Uh, in my 25 years, uh, we had guys who bought into that and did that. We have guys who still live here. Derek Brooks has a, a charter high school that he opened up for young people. Uh, Warwick Dunn has uh, done homes for single moms. And, and we've got so many players that are part of the community that long after the Super Bowl, people are, are remembering. And that, that's that larger purpose. You know, I was living in Orlando at that time. Uh, you know, when you went down to Tampa and so the, you were our team, right? I for yeah. Corridor, oh, yeah. and, and I would get to come to the games and what a, what an incredible franchise it became, uh, a great stadium. The place was hopping and they played exciting football and stuff like that from when you got there to when you left there. I mean, that team was rolling. I mean, how hard was it to get that all on track? It was. It didn't seem hard because that was the plan. Hey, if we get a mm-hmm. good people in, we work together, then we'll win. That will get the community behind us, and it, it will have this snowball effect, and it'll synergize. But that was the most fun time of my coaching career, Brendan, in 96, 97, 98, to take the bucks from 
perennial losers yeah. to having the town excited and having people come up to you in June and say, I can't wait for September. I can't wait to get to the games. My son's a big Buccaneers fan now. I mean, that, that was so awesome, awesome. Uh, yeah. to see the city take, take the team under its wing. It was fabulous. Let me ask you this. I think this is a really important part of whether it be coaching or being part of a team in real life, working in a business, working in a company, and then somehow, some way, it's happened to me many times, if you're in this business as long as we've been, uh, I got fired. Uh, yeah. You know, it happened to you. You know, you bring this team up to incredible prominence, and then all of a sudden, it's not good enough in someone's eyes, in someone's eyes. And now, talk about the hurt of that, and then how to recover and move forward. And you were fairly fortunate that you got right back on it almost immediately, correct? Yes, and that was painful. Yes. Uh, we'd had 13 straight losing seasons. Uh, we started winning. We made the playoffs four years out of six. We're close every year. The stadium's full. People are excited. And the boss says, I just don't think we can get to the next level. I'm, I'm making a change. Mm. And the next year they did win the Super Bowl. <laughs> and so it was, it was hurtful. It was painful. I wasn't there to finish the journey. But the thing that, that helped me, I, I just felt like the Lord had a different place for me to be. Uh, a week after I got fired, Jim Irsay from the Colts called and he said, you know, this is the vision I have for my team. We've got to connect with the city. I want a coach like you. And that, for me, that, that did it. He made me feel wanted, and he had the same vision that I had. And so it was great. I ended up having seven beautiful years in Indianapolis. Did, uh, when that, that hurtful day in, and I can almost remember it, I think it was, did we lose in Philadelphia? We lost in Philadelphia, yep. yep. And then, and, 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 back. and probably the next day or that night, even, you know, how they're so. You know, yeah, thoughtful in uh, pro sports. You know, <laughs> you don't even get off the plane almost, right? And uh, and and all of a sudden they make a change. At that point, you're saying there's no way in the world you ever could have thought one week later you'd have a job in the league, right? No, you don't know, you know? and and you're wondering what what's going to happen, and you're upset about the way things have have gone. And so the big thing there is just keep your eyes on the Lord and try to make good decisions and. Be patient. I thought I was going to have to be patient and wait for the right opportunity, mm -hmm. and it came a week later. Now, when you go to Indianapolis, how did, did you approach everything the exact same way, or did you take anything that you learned along the way? I, I kept the same basic approach, but Indianapolis was different. They had had some success. They had won. They just hadn't won consistently. So now the challenge was not to change a losing culture, but how do we get that consistency where uh, we play our best all the time. And we had a great quarterback in Peyton Manning. So we knew we were going to be in a lot of games. And it was just how to have the perseverance. And some of these same, same things we're talking about. How to build the team with the right kinds of people that eventually we, we'd get it done. And, and that, was the, that was the key. Let me ask you this. Every business has a great salesperson. Um, you know, everyone that's successful has someone that's really important to the success of the organization. You had Peyton Manning. He's your best player. He's your quarterback. Talk about the importance of the leader 
of an organization connecting to the most, quote, in a valuable, important person, even though you and I know it, it doesn't happen without a village and we need all 11 or all five or all 53 or all uh, 12 players to, to win it. Uh, talk about how important it is to connect with, to that special player, so to speak, or employee. No, you want to connect with everyone, but right. there are certain key employees, certain key people that, you know, if they're on board, they have the magnetism, they have the personality, they're going to get everybody else on board and believing and buying in. So selling to that person and letting them know what's important is, is critical. And, and so uh, here in Tampa, it was uh, Derek Brooks and Warren Sapp. Uh, mm-hmm. And in Indianapolis, it was John Lynch. And, or excuse me, it was Peyton Manning and, uh, getting him to believe in and buy into what we wanted to do and how more than that, how we're going to do it. And once he did, he sold it to the rest of the team and the rest was history. You know, I, I watch you now on NBC before you went to NBC. Did you ever look at yourself as being a TV star? Uh, no, no, I didn't do a radio show. Uh, right. I didn't do a TV show when I was a coach. I didn't really like the media sessions, but uh, it, it's been fun. And NBC has been great because they don't give us an agenda. They don't say you have to go on and be negative. You've got to rip people. Uh, just look at the game, what you see, describe that to the people, tell the people what's going on. So it, it's been a lot of fun. I've enjoyed it, but you're right. I never in my yeah. wildest imagination thought I'd be in TV. And, and, and I think you're a guy that, you know, the last thing a, a good person and good coach wants to do is ever criticize another coach or a person, you know, but if you're going to be an analyst, you have to tell the truth. Right. And, yeah. and so, and I think the way you present it, the way you go into your segments on showing a play or something, I think you do it as a coaching session, not as a critique session on someone. And I, it comes across. Now, you've got to hone in your – and what I love about it, the talent you have on your set, oh, man. I mean, whether it was Dan Patrick or Tariko, who I love. Yeah. And, and then, you know, you got that young guy and Rodney. And, man, yeah. you guys have formed a chemistry. And it's a beautiful one because – he was always the opposite of you, and now yeah. you're bringing him along. Now I I love it. Now he's coming with. Well, you. we have we have a lot of fun, and yes. Mike Tarico has added a, a lot to it. But you're right. We we try to inform people, give our opinion. We're not always right, but hey, audience knows they're going to get honest evaluation from us, and uh, we it's, we have a ton of fun. Well, it's the best show in sports, and it's the highest rated show of anything you can watch on television through the year. So it's incredible. Tony, well, if people you. want to get the soul of a team, what are the ways that they should get it? What's the best ways to order it, in your opinion? Uh, they can order online through any of the outlets, Amazon or Barnes & Noble, any of the book outlets. They can go to CoachDungy.com and find out where they're being sold in their home area. But uh, we, we really appreciate it and uh, hope people enjoy the book. They will. It is fabulous. If, you, if you've if you read and enjoyed Coach Tony Dungy's other books, you're going to love this one because this is fabulous and truly is the soul of a team. Coach, I really appreciate it. It's a thrill. And uh, can't, I'm just so appreciative that you were able to do this. Hey, thank you very much, Brendan. i got to jump off here because we've got another one coming up here at noon. But uh, great talking with thank you. Thank you, my friend. All right, brother. See you. Tony, thank you so much. Uh, fantastic. And uh, it's always been something uh, where I wanted to get him on and uh, 
you know, this book, The Soul of a Team, is extraordinary. Please uh, do me a couple of favors. One, uh, share this podcast with friends of yours because I think you're going to find uh, this is what helps. This is what coaching is about. That's about sharing and it's about learning. So this, I think, really helps people in how to develop a team. The second thing is to go to Apple Podcasts and rate our podcast. And you like them. And if you don't like Tony Dungy's podcast, you need to get another profession because this is what it's all about, what we do. This is a man of great character, great influence, and boy, he epitomizes the word coach. Till next week, this is your coach, Brendan Serf.